Welcome to Off Code, the show where we ignore the cultural codes and have real and intriguing conversations regarding the Black community and ways we can move forward to human flourishing. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Off Code. I am Monique Dusan. And I am Kevin Briggins, and we have another great episode for you all today. Normally I say I'm excited about the guest. I'm not gonna say that this time. I will say I am honored to have this guest with us today. So Mo, Mo, Mo yeah. why don't you tell them who we have today? Oh my gosh, we have Bishop Patrick L. Wooden. Um, oh my gosh, so yeah. He, he doesn't know it, but he like became my adopted pastor during the pandemic. So I'm in California and during the pandemic, everything out here shut down. All of our churches shut down and things like that. And one day Krista sent me a link and was like, this pastor's church is open. And I was like, yeah, right. Nobody's open. And here, um, here comes Bishop Wooden and he not only was he like preaching good, but he was black preaching good. And it was like, it wasn't progressive. It wasn't this liberation theology. It wasn't, you know, they didn't have the, the mayoral candidate walking in or, or, you know, things <laughs> like that. And I was just, I was like, man, where, where has this been? Um, I failed to say the name of his church is Upper Room um, Church of God in Christ. So they are Kojic and they they really just exalt the Lord and let that be that. I was struck because um, he said that they were taking back the rainbow for, for God, like the rainbow belongs in the church. And they have this huge rainbow flag in their church and they glorify God with it. I, I literally could just sit here and talk about him and his church and then we would never bring him on. So I'm going to go ahead and be quiet so that we can bring on Bishop Wooden. Bishop, I'm honored. welcome. How you doing? <laughs> uh, thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. We just, we really appreciate you and, and your stand for boldness. And much of what we're going to talk about today is just about boldness um, mm -hmm. and, you know, really encouraging the body of Christ to stand in boldness. But before we yes. go down that path, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your church, your community? Well, I'm Patrick Wooden. I'm the pastor of the Upper Room Church of God in Christ in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, I've been pastoring the Upper Room now for, I, this is my 35th year. Um, I'm married to uh, the lovely uh, love of my life, Pamela. Pam and I have been married for 41 years and we have two children and three grandchildren and a tremendous son-in-law. And uh, God has been good to us. I, I do believe that I pastor the greatest congregation in the world because I tell you, you're talking about a group of people who circle the wagon, who stand uh, and, uh, and pray for me and pray over me and stand with me as we stand on the word of God. We are a Bible believing church. We are part of the church of God in Christ. We believe in the inerrancy of scripture. We believe that Jesus is Lord and, uh, and we believe that he's coming again. And uh, I believe, I believe the Bible literally. So 
and and we're unapologetic, you know, black folks, Southerners. <laughs> we love to we love to sing, love to shout, love to enjoy Jesus. And uh, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 16 years old in 1977, and I've been running for Him ever since. And that's pretty much my my story. I attended Federal State University, and I got my doctorate from North Carolina Bible of Theology, and uh, and the, I've been running for the Lord. That is awesome. What what brought you into ministry? Well, I, my mom told me, and I called my mother uh, to this day, my first evangelist. Mom is still with us. She's 87, and she's a whippersnapper for Jesus Christ. She told me years ago, me and my brothers, about this preacher that uh, would play basketball with us, that would wrestle with us and, and that kind of a thing. And I wasn't necessarily interested in Jesus, but I was interested in a preacher who played basketball and who wrestled. And I went to church to hear him preach. And I ended up on the altar and I gave my heart to Jesus Christ back in November the 20th, 1977 at the Temple Church of God in Christ in Rockingham, North Carolina, around 1.30 to 2 o'clock that afternoon. <laughs> and about a year or so, about a year later, the Lord called me uh, into the ministry and I had no idea that the things that have transpired would transpire, but I knew that God had had called me, and uh, and I said yes to Him, and I've been following Him in ministry ever since. Wow. Amen. Amen. Um, but that's I said I'm thankful for for you and your ministry and um, yes, sir. the boldness which you're willing to stand on on certain things, which. Mm -hmm. We know it is a rare, it shouldn't be a rarity, but it is. And so I'm appreciative of you and your church and your ministry. You got on most people's radar a couple of months ago when the controversial Beyonce song Church Girl came out and you had something to say. So before we get to the question, let's check out the clip of what you said during that time. The call to say something. Beyonce just release sacrilege. The only thing I can account for some of this stuff is somebody done sold their soul to the devil. Now, all I can say to you is this. When you sell your soul to the devil, you get the short end of the stick. But this piece of trash yes, sir. that's released, yes, sir. and she named it Church Girl. Now, I had thought to try to read the lyrics to you, but I struggled to listen to them. It's too bad. It's too bad. It's not for public consumption. It would, it would be a desecration if I read this. And uh, I don't recommend it. You know, parents, I know all, all your little children, got all of them, three months old, they got a cell phone. But I don't recommend <laughs> that you let them listen to this. It is, it's, 
It's, it's the worst. You can, am I right? It's the worst. You can't get and to, 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 to sample the song of a real church lady tweak a clock to I don't know whether she knew what she was going to do with the song or not uh, she knows she's not saved I don't talk about anything that's not public. Anything that's public is fair game. And I pray to God that a stiff denunciation of what she did with that song is put out. It shows that we we're not speaking up. Ain't nobody, don't nobody respect the church. The world don't respect the church. So you can't win the world enamored by them. I'm just so proud that somebody was going to use my music. What do you mean? You're one of the best in the world. You're preaching, sir. You're preaching, sir. You're preaching, sir. We, we sang for Jesus. I, I tell you what did uh, help me. Uh, Marcella just released, where is she at? Released hers. And that's the one you need to buy. That's the one. Got a good beat to it, if you feel like shouting. Yes, sir. A sanctified, unmistakably sanctified message. Amen. Amen. And you know, can't nobody sing any better. But for, to show this kind of disrespect for the church, and what's sad is this, there will be church people who will defend it. But let me tell you something, I'm not, I'm not bothered by those who defend that kind of garbage. I'm bothered by those who say nothing. You're the ones who angers me. Am I right? So Bishop, we, in that clip, you, you, that was the epitome of boldness. What made mm -hmm. you feel like you needed to say something? A preacher friend of mine sent me the clip. I'm not a Beyonce fan, obviously. Uh, I don't know that I've ever heard maybe more than one of her songs. I, uh, I think she's a, a, a a nice young lady, I don't know her, but when I heard the song, I was thrown, I was thrown, I was taken aback by it. I thought it was the most wicked, godless thing that I've ever heard because I was also familiar with the song, uh, Center of Thy Will by Twinkie Clark that she had sampled. The particular song that she sampled was a prayer. The song is beautiful. Uh, it blessed me when I, uh, as I said, I got saved in 77. I think this song was prop popular in the early 80s, maybe 1980, between 80 and 83. Well, it had a profound effect on my walk with the Lord because I too wanted to be in the center of his will. 
And for her to take that song and to do what she and approximately 13 or so other writers did with it. And I'm familiar with uh, sampling, uh, taking a portion of a song and using it, but this wasn't sampling. Uh, as I said in one sermon, she didn't sample the song. And I don't know if I'm supposed to say this in a podcast or not, but in my opinion, she defecated on the song. She disrespected it greatly. So as a minister, of the gospel, when I heard it, I was, man, I was taken aback. And I, to this day, don't understand how any minister could hear something like that and know something about the history of the song and not say something. So we were in our convocation and I was preaching on what we call official night. And I said that what she did was sacrilege. Now, I do not take it back. I, I do not walk it back. I didn't misspeak. Um, I didn't make a mistake. I meant every word that I said, and I mean it to this day. It was sacrilege. She's encouraging uh, girls to be fatties. Uh, She's encouraging girls to, to, to be whorish in their behavior uh, and to name it church girls, in my opinion, she drew first blood. It would have never crossed my mind had it been called Islam girls, street girls, party girls, lying girls, no good girls, good girls. It would have never crossed my radar. But church girls did. And as I said in one, one sermon, I guarantee you, you'll never hear her say, uh, do a song like that and call it Muslim girls because see the, the, the members of the, of the Muslim faith, they aren't, they're not having stuff like that, but yeah. Christians, you know, we, we, we've become, we've become mats and we just allow people to walk on us. So I felt um, that I would be betraying my Lord if I said nothing. And I'll tell you this, the congregation that I pastor and the people in the jurisdiction that God has graced me to lead would have been shocked had they knew that I was aware of it and that I said nothing. So it's odd, you know, a lot of preachers, uh, they say to me, man, I'm not going to say anything. My, my people don't expect me to, to, to speak to it. Well, Ours, ours do. My, the people that I pastor do. I've tried to build a church where the members are Christian apologists and where we defend the faith. And mm -hmm. uh, I said this about my being bold. I don't know if I'm as bold as I am afraid. I'm afraid not to say what God gives me to say. I'm afraid not to speak the truth. So what happens is it comes across as this bold, fearless preacher. But actually, I, I, I am motivated by a reverence for the God of the Bible, who, when I heard this, I said, man, this really offended God. And I knew that God was going to do something with it. Somebody 
screenshotted it. Someone sent it out. It wasn't from us. And uh, by the time I finished preaching that night, it had taken off. And it's and 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 so it 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 grew legs. And then I heard about uh, uh, the, this club and that club, and and this group of people was talking about it, and that group of people, and uh, and so so forth and so on. But uh, uh, I don't know how any Christian minister who loves the Lord can just be silent when things like this happen. Elijah said, if the Lord is God, if Yahweh is God, serve him. And if Baal is God, serve him. But you can't stand halted between two opinions. And the church has got to know that we can't drink from the table of devils and from from the devil's table and from the Lord's table. So that was behind it. And when I saw the lyrics of it, to me, it sound demonic. And I did say in the clip that, that uh, many appear to have sold their souls to the devil. That's the only thing that would uh, cause this to make sense to me. Now, uh, from that, you know, people said, well, how do you know that Beyonce sold her soul to the devil? Well, she said it. I got, I got it from her. So uh, it was, uh, it was things like that 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 caused me to say what I said. And if I had to uh, say it again, or if I had to respond to it over again, I would respond the same way. Well, Bishop, I agree with you. Um, it was when I when I heard it, I felt the same way. And yes, sir. My question to you is, because you shouldn't have been a standout. It should have been pulpits no. across the country mm-hmm. coming out against this. How, yes. how, how, did, how did we get here as the church to That's where horrible. this becomes, in, in the culture, how, how does this become something we that's not spoken out against? How do we get here? I, I think, um, n- number one, the Bible does say that that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. The falling away was never people uh, just where people would stop attending church, but it would be where people would begin to stray away from or stand aloof, stand at a distance from any portion of Christianity that may cause them to incur the wrath of the world. See, many Christians today, many preachers are trying to be stars, celebrities. We want to be liked. We we want the crowd. We want the renown. We want the fame. You know, we we want to preach a gospel that makes everybody feel good and make everyone love us. And what it has done, to be honest with you, for the most part, it has made us irrelevant. Uh, 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 we, we have no power. Uh, we have no say. The world doesn't take us seriously. And so many, I believe, have sold out uh, because they want to be liked by the world. The world is not our friend. The Bible teaches, James 4 and 4, know ye not that enmity with the world uh, is to, to be the friend of the world is to be at enmity with God, uh, to be the enemy of God. Friendship with the world is enmity. 
continual bad relationship. It's, it's friction with God. And yet many in the church world are trying to have it both ways, to have friendship with the world and be the friend of God. And the Bible tells us that we simply can't do it. I also believe that what is silencing a lot of ministers, and I could be wrong, but this is what I believe. I believe politics is silencing uh, ministers. I believe that political parties are silencing many members, uh, ministers, and ministers today are more loyal to political parties than they are to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am a celebrated, I talk about it all the time, out of the closet, up front. I want everyone to know I am a registered non-affiliate or independent. That means I can speak truth to power. No politician on either side of the aisle have their hands in my pocket. I'm God's man. And so when issues come up, I'm free to say what the Bible says and to come down on the God side of the issue because I'm not trying to impress this party, nor am I trying to impress that party. Politics have silenced a lot of preachers. And uh, I, I want to say to the preachers, the Apostle Paul said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. we got to tell the truth. Mm. Let me fan you real quick. Let me get that fan out. Woo! My goodness. He said, I don't walk back. Nothing that I said about Beyonce. I don't take it back. I don't walk Amen. it back. We ain't in a rowboat. I'm not in reverse. Mm-mm. Yes. Mm-mm. Um, and I, I love her. I, I love her. Yeah. I want her to be saved. I want her to know yeah. Jesus. But uh, but what she did was wrong. It was it it was it was disrespectful. Very disrespectful, very condescending to the church. And, and, and I've had churchmen to jump on me, to, to curse me, to say all kinds of things defending her. But what she did was just wrong. And may God save her. I wish her no ill will. I love her. But she, that, that, was, that was garbage, garbage. To, to put it politely. Let me ask you this, because you mentioned, um, you know, the political side and, you know, there are people in leadership in the church who are also in bed with the politicians. Do, do you, and I'm, I'm assuming that you do get pushback um, because you've made political statements um, yes. that are, I'll say statements that are against political parties. Like you said, you know, you, you're an independent, so you don't have, you know, this fear of offending either party because you're God's man. How do you answer the people who um, push back on you for being too political or for making political comments? 37 of the 39 books of the Old Testament was written to, about, or on the behalf of some political figure. Uh, You cannot stand for God and not speak to the issues of our time. What we're witnessing, we're not witnessing the church intruding into the world of politics. We're witnessing the world of politics 
intruding on the sacred grounds of the church. I'll give you an example. Marriage belonged to the church. I think it was in the middle 1800s when the government uh, got involved in it and they taxed it to, to get money. But marriage belonged to the church. Well, here comes uh, President Obama and others who decided that they were going to redefine marriage. Now, you know, and I know that when God defined marriage, God brought Eve to Adam and, uh, and, and, and Moses wrote in, in a commentary and said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. Man, leave father and mother and cleave to wife and they too shall be one flesh. Marriage was the sole domain of the church. Now, what gave the Supreme Court, President Obama, or any political figure or any political group the right to redefine marriage so now it no longer by legal definition include it's no longer a union between a man and a woman even though that's what it is in the eyes of God and that's what it will always be but now it's a union between two men or two women or various combinations well they intruded on our sacred ground, our sacred space. And uh, I think that the church should push back. You know, and I know that God said to the prophet Jeremiah, before, before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. Now, before God put Jeremiah in, in the womb, God was aware of him. David tells us in Psalms 39 that while we're being formed in the womb of the mother, that God writes out our script. So now how is it that man can legalize abortion? And I know Roe was voted into law for uh, 1973. Uh, and, uh, and it was the, the law of the land for 50 years, but America is 246 years old. So that means for 196 of those years or so, uh, if my math is correct, uh, it was not the law of the land and we got along just fine. So then they, they passed the law and made it legal to kill unborn human beings. And, and God, the Bible speaks uh, to human beings in the womb, in God's mind, and human beings on the earth. Now, just because the politician entered into this space, if you will, I don't think that that should mean that the church should surrender this space to the politician. I believe that we should push back. Thank God Roe was overturned, but you know, and I know, I wish it meant the end of abortion, but no, all it means now is they're going to send it back to the states. But there are those who are pushing it and making it a front and center political issue. And if the church says nothing, if the pastors are silent, I, my belief is indifference with a pastor is the endorsement of an issue. If we say nothing, our, our members then get the idea that it's all right. So uh, we have to speak up. And when you look at what's going on with this transgender movement, 
Well, the Bible says that God made them male and female. Now, there's only two sexes. The word gender originally uh, uh, was used to uh, apply to words, um, uh, not people. So uh, there are two sexes, male and female. And now we're trying to uh, uh, get people to play the game, to participate in this uh, in this charade where we're actually referring to uh, a he as a she and a she as a he. And there are those who are in politics who are making this a campaign issue. Well, should we not, shouldn't we as a church say, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is black and white bottom basement Christianity. God made them male and God made them female. So we're clashing, we're clashing, but we didn't start the fight. The world is invading on the church. A friend of mine told me, he said, wouldn't you cannot legislate your morality? But we're not we're not seeing the legislative legislation of morality. Mor- morality is already legislated. What we're seeing is the legislation of immorality. Wickedness is being codified into law. And the Bible teaches that no one will have fellowship with God who formeth mischief by a law. So the church has to say something. Bishop, I, I agree with you 100%. And I'm glad you said it's the bottom line, because I was going to come in and say, this is Christianity 101. This should not be controversial. Yep. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're, we're going to, to keep it real in, in terms of you know, our, our podcast is tailored to the Black community. And we talk, we talk about the Black mm-hmm. church. Yes, How can the Black church overwhelmingly support a political party that pushes every single thing you just said and be solid. You talking about the Democrats? I wasn't gonna say it. I I was just I didn't want no ambiguity. <laughs> we Leave know no room for mistakes. Huh? We I, I mean I, Republicans well, do they mess up too. So I'm not I'm not like yeah. vying for one or the other. But I mean, if you're gonna talk about the party that that is you know endorsing the transgenderism, yeah. how, 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 party, how can the black you know, how can the black Black church and the black community continue to overwhelmingly support and push the party, the Democratic Party that pushes all of those things which you just laid out? Well, I think, number one, what we should pay attention to with parties is the party's platform, the platform of the party. What does this party believe? Now, when you read the party platforms, uh, they're overwhelmingly clear. And it is clear today that of the two major parties, of which I am neither, it is the Democrat Party that has in its platform things that are against our Christian doctrine, against the doctrine of most churches, most certainly against the doctrine of the Church of God in Christ, because our church has in writing is passed a general assembly. Not only is it Bible, but we, we are opposed to same-sex marriage. We are opposed to abortion. Uh, we are opposed to these things. And yet, uh, um, we see this strange dynamic where in the black church, preachers pray one way, 
but vote another. You know, you pray that God send revival, that God heals, that God delivers, that God sets free, that God save our families, God save our children, save our homes, save our sons and daughters. But then we turn around and go into the voting booth and vote for someone whose position is just the opposite. The black race, and I've been saying this, and I'm trying to get my brothers and sisters, and we see people moving uh, in a different direction. There is a movement taking place. We're 50% fewer. There are 50% fewer African-Americans in America today than there would have been had Roe never been uh, made law. Abortion has decimated us. We're no longer the second, the largest minority group in America. We are fading fast. The Hispanics, the Latinos are the uh, largest minority group, some 20 to 21 percent of our population now. We're stuck at 13 percent. And so uh, the big killer of black people is not the police. It's abortion. And yet, and there is one party that has in its platform a full-throated support for abortion. And I've been saying to the uh, uh, those who will hear me, uh, you know, people say, "Well, wouldn't uh, what uh, what can happen where you think that a person uh, should be able to have an abortion?" In what case, rape, incest, whatever. Well, my question is, when do you think that they shouldn't? Because there are many who are pushing for abortion up until the day before the child is born. So I don't understand the dynamic in the community where we are lining up, we're lining up behind people who support policies that hurt us. I think some are, I'll be honest, bought and paid for. They're being paid to mislead the people. I think some still believe that it's, it's, it's their mother's and father's party back in the day. But the progressives and the leftists have shifted the party. Uh, I warn our people about our love for white leftists they are the greatest racists on the face of the planet they think we're stupid they think that we need them in order to live they think that we don't have enough sense to get a, 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 a id so we can vote um uh they, they they don't think that we should be born they they're behind making sure most of the abortion clinics are within two miles of high black and brown uh, population centers, and they enjoy giving us just enough government cheese, if you will, to keep us on the dole. I think that, uh, and I'm praying that God will send a revival that will shake us out of this. Uh, a friend of mine, you know, there are those who say, well, um, I believe in uh, uh, equity, but uh, you really don't believe in equity. Because God doesn't even practice equity. God doesn't practice equal outcomes. The Bible teaches that God blessed some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. If, if it was equity, everybody would be blessed 100-fold or 30-fold or 60-fold. I believe that people should, be, should get the, and in America, they'll get the uh, outcome 
that they deserve as they work hard and, and put their shoulders to the plow. Our people is a great people. The story of the African-American, in my opinion, hadn't been told in America. It's not a story of, of victims and people who can't make it. We came from the bottom. We were brought here in slave ships, and it didn't take long for us to rise in this great land. God has been good to us. But I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know why uh, there is uh, this silence when it comes to uh, being loyal to a party that has in its platforms things that are detrimental to us. With 70 to 73% of black children being raised in homes where there's no father, do we need for those kids also to go to school and have books read to them by drag queens? Do we need to support a party, whatever that party may be, that supports in writing all things LBGTQ and all of the rest of the alphabet that is included? Especially when you, you we don't have dads like we should, and um, uh, uh, the, the, the little black boy, he's, he's growing up. I grew up that way. You're trying to find your way. What well, do we need to add these things to the mix? I dare say not. So I pray that there is a revival and awakening in our community. And I, I say to him, listen, I am not an advocate for the Republican Party. I am not an apologist for the Republican Party. I have never been a Republican in my life. Never. I was a Democrat. I mean, you know, I grew up. They told me in church, we are black and we are Democrats. And uh, that was when I was in the Methodist church. And then when I became born again, I began to think a little bit for myself and I became a, a independent. But I'm saying I, I hope that there is uh, a, a defection from the party. And if I might say this, and I'll just shut up because I talk too much. If, if our community would just take the ring off of its finger, see, just take the ring off because we're wearing a ring that says we're married to one party. Take that ring off and let everybody know you can court me. We're up for grabs. The big winner would be the African-American community. If even if not everybody does it, 10%, 20%, 30% of African-Americans, then, then politicians will pursue us the same way they pursue Latinos, the same way they pursue the LBGTQ community, and we'll get something for our vote. Right now, the only thing we're getting for our undying loyalty to one party and zero loyalty to the, to the other party is nothing. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm sweating. You see me? I'm I'm sweating. That's because you're preaching. You preaching. <laughs> you preaching. It's okay. Is it okay? All right. It's oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. I would expect yeah. nothing less. <laughs> you know, with the uh, with the with the camera being reversed. Thank you, sir. <laughs> with it being reversed, I see that everything. That, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever wiped their face on the podcast before, but you're going to be the first and we're going to keep it there. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Cause all, all, right. all we need is the choir and like a tambourine, <laughs> a little drum. 
Yes. And you talking. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Now, okay, so we know we know the things that, that should be done. I think we've talked about the things that aren't being done, and we all kind of like wondering, well, why aren't we leaving? You said, and I, I'm hoping you can restate it because I really wanted to write it down. I'm like, this is this is that's so good. You said that a pastor's I don't know what the word was, but he was like it, that the the way that a pastor acts or responds, what they do or don't do, really encourages their people. It's like their endorsement to the people. Yes. yes. To be able to uh, do something. Our and, indifference. Yes, that's what it was. That when we're the, silent, mm-hmm. yeah, when we're silent, the members assume it's all right. So, if you could, if you could, if if Bishop wouldn't rule the world, how would you see pastors participating with their congregations um, to be able to help their communities live in in um, like the biblical? vision or precedent that has been set out for us. What what do you see? How do you see pastors participating differently? What would those steps be? I would see pastors uh, first and foremost, preaching the Bible because our number, our greatest uh, good, our number one product, the thing that sets us apart, the, the one thing that everybody needs is God's truth. And God's truth is contained in the 66 books of the Bible. If I rule, I would see pastors just preaching the Bible with power and authority and preaching it in a manner where um, we're preaching it for the sake of the gospel, knowing that the benefits of the word of God outweighs the benefits of everything else. Also, there would be uh, tremendous community involvement. Those are families that I just mentioned where there's no dad in the home. Well, you know what? There are dads in the church. There are young men in the church. The church has a responsibility to mentor, to step in, to say to uh, that young man, you can make it. The greatest formula for minorities succeeding on earth to me is found in the book of Jeremiah chapter number 29 in the early verses, verse four and down, God gives a formula a format to the children of Israel who were taken captive. They were taken to Babylon the same way we were taken uh, from Africa to uh, we sailed across the sea on slave ships Well, they were in Babylon. They had to walk. And God told them to get married, to build houses, to get jobs, to uh, multiply, to have children, to pray for the peace of that nation, to love God. And and he told them, you're going to be here for 70 years. So since you're going to be here 70 years, build your families. Raise your sons, raise your daughters, marry, multiply. And then he said the quote, the, the quote that everybody 
uh, loves uh, uh, Jeremiah 29 and, and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of good, not evil, to bring you to an expected end. But the context of it was you're going to be here in Babylon for 70 years. Some false preachers had said that it's going to only last two years. God says, oh, no, hooker down. It's going to be 70. But here's how you survive it. Marry, have children, get a job, love the nation. Uh, I would encourage people to do things like that. Uh, pastors to encourage people to do things that way. Of course, the things that we do in the community to help the, uh, the down and out, the, the needy, the hungry, the poor. We feed them, but then teach them to feed themselves. Um, to get involved in the political process the way that churches were before the Johnson Amendment silenced churches from the political po uh, process. Uh, we all live in this world. Whether you're in the church or not, we all live in this world. And the laws that are passed, we all have to abide by them. They all affect us. Um, uh, they have uh, uh, influence on us. So then we have a right to have say in the laws that are passed. We want, we want, we want safety. Uh, as African-Americans, I believe we want what everyone else wants. We want uh, safe communities. We want safe, good, and effective schools. We want to be able to have our women and children and men, for that matter, to walk the streets and not be accosted we don't want drugs in our neighborhood. We don't want crime in our neighborhood. And, uh, and we want not uh, uh, equity and equal outcome, but we want equality. We want in the sense of uh, equal chance. We want opportunity and give us that and, and we'll make something out of it. We'll make something happen. So if I could, that would be what I would love to see preachers doing and, and preachers doing it without being uh, influenced by any political party. Have you read, uh, uh, and I'm sure you have, uh, uh, the comments on the Reverend Jesse Jackson, what he had to say about abortion or his powerful arguments that he made against it mm -hmm. in the 70s yep. and as he Absolutely. came up. Yes. And then, then, and then what was 88? Yep, he, he ran, ran for, for president. The presidency and yep. the way he changed. Yep. And uh, I mean, you talk about a 180. As someone said he did a 360. That would have been good had he went 360. <laughs> he did that 180 and he began, he began to build again the things he once destroyed. And you know, Paul said, if I build again the things I once destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. And we see that now in many cases. Yeah. yeah. Man, that is that is very true um, in terms of, I think Jesse Jackson is a great case for what we're talking about as mm -hmm. the church was so strong in one way and it's almost as if it gave it up for political power, right? Yes, sir. To have yeah. a seat at the table, there were certain things that we had to give up. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that has had a profound effect on the community. And I think a lot of the yeah. a lot of the, the, the degradation that we see within the culture is a direct reflect of the church giving up its stances for a seat at the political table. 
Um, yes, sir. Yeah. And so, so this is a question I have for you, Bishop. Um, you speak out and say things that are not popular within our community a lot of times. Do you find other like-minded ministers um, or do you feel like you're on an island sometimes? Like, because I know, I know sometimes Monique and I, we, we feel like we're on an island sometimes. I, do you find like-minded ministers that are saying, yes, I agree with you on these things? That is one of the greatest questions that has been asked to me, and it's seldom asked. Man, let me tell you, uh, Kevin, Monique, we are not alone. The good news, the good, good, good news is that there are many voices out there. I know of some preachers. I could just rattle them off. Uh, rattle <laughs> them off. If I start calling yes. names, it, it would almost, it, since I didn't get their permission, it, uh-huh. it would almost get me because I might forget someone. But I am surrounded by preachers, preachers here at the church, preachers in our jurisdiction, preachers that I've met across the country, preachers that I've met at uh, pastoral summits who are in the fight. I mean, these guys and gals are fighting for life. They're fighting for scripture. They're fighting for marriage. These are tireless warriors. Uh, I want to put a a plug in. My my son-in-law, John Amanchuku, just released a book entitled Erased. Uh, It is burning up the charts. It is making a tremendous difference. He addresses abortion and CRT in the book. And I tell you, uh, he's a giant for Jesus Christ. And there are just so many uh, uh, men and women of God out there uh, who are doing things. There's a movement called CFAD, Christian Families Against Destructive Decisions. And these people are speaking up uh, with power, with authority. And you know what Satan will do? Satan will try to give you the Elijah syndrome where you'll feel like you're the only one left. But what did God tell the prophet? He said, I have uh, 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Now, I thank God for that. Now, out there where you are, uh, 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 I'm telling you, uh, (laughs) on the left coast, it is a challenge But there are believers. We just have to seek them out. And I've met some fine people from California. Some have actually come to Raleigh and joined the church. And they are members that way. I have other friends out there who just love Jesus Christ. Just good old, good old saved folk who believe the Bible and who are standing for God. So we're not alone. We are not alone, and uh, I receive, uh, people talk to me about uh, the negative comments uh, that I get, but let me tell you, (laughs) I get so much encouragement till uh, the the words of encouragement that comes in, the text, the letters, the the prayers, uh, so much comes in till the negative stuff, most of it, I don't even hear. So it doesn't bother me. You know, I hate to tell the people out there, but those of you who are wasting your time trying to break my spirit, I don't even hear you. <laughs> Plus, you know, you got mouths. You can say what you want to. Who cares? The Bible is right. You know, who cares? Absolutely. The Bible is right. 
So we are not alone. Amen. I'm. We gonna have to get offline, and I need the list because <laughs> I'm like I'm looking around. These guys wow. again, they are on fire, and they they are telling it. And I tell you what, they keep me on my p's and q's because you know what? All of us want to do all that we can for the Lord. Yeah. And nothing anoints you, no one anoints you to be bold like the Holy Spirit. You remember the second time in Acts that they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Bible teaches in Acts chapter 2, right? The day of Pentecost have come and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues, right? But in chapter 4, it talks about them being filled a second time. And it says, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. See, the Holy Spirit will anoint you to speak with boldness. And you know, Paul says, if God be for us, who can be against us? So the Lord's on our side. And and, and, and I, mean, I mean, let's see, Monique, Kevin, Patrick, and God. We're in the, we're in the majority. <laughs> We got to beat. We got to beat. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Man. Oh, man. That is a good word. That is a good word. I just, I was like, man, like, I don't see the 7,000, but I'm going to go ahead and start. I'm going to start yeah. looking at that. Look, look, look at around. But, we need to put the, put a coalition together because, I, and okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Kevin? No, I was going to say, yeah. Um, we do need those names because yeah, unfortunately I know a lot of the most, the voices we need to hear are faithful pastors and we don't hear them because they're not yes. in the spotlight, but we need right, to right. be able to hear them. We need to know their names because people, I the will. voices that people are hearing are too many of the wrong voices. Right. Yes. And so I would yes. love to make those faithful preachers and pastors famous and for the right reasons, because they're preaching Jesus. Yes. Yes, sir. I will, I listen, I will gladly, when, when this is over, I will send you their names, and I'll get in touch with them and tell them to look, to look out for you, because some of these, these guys not only, and these men and women not only um, know it, but they can articulate it. And... Um, you're right. Most of them aren't famous. They're they're not the. I started I started name somebody. They're they're not some of these big time TV guys who have sold their souls, mm-hmm. who are no longer who are no longer even worth their salt. Uh, mm-hmm. These guys they they are like Jonah. They they are trying their best to go everywhere but to Nineveh. And uh, and to say what God says, and these they've been over they've been over backwards trying to disobey God, but the Lord has men and women out there who are not afraid, and I think the reason we're not afraid, and and I want to say this, and I'm not trying to sound super spiritual or super deep, but the truth is, <clears throat> we're already dead. Paul said, "I am crucified with Christ; nevertheless, I live; yet not I, but Christ that lives." within me. And the life that I now live, I live by the power, by faith in the Son of God. You see, as believers, you got to die. And uh, for me, the hill that I'm willing to die on is God's truth. And uh, the funny thing is, you know, the Bible says in terms of who we should be afraid of, 
The Bible says, don't fear man who can destroy your body. And after that, there's no more he, that he can do. I tell you who to fear, fear him who can destroy your body and cast your soul into hell. Well, that's God. And my fear, my, my, my reverence is, is toward him. We're, we're not, we're, uh, nothing can happen except God allows it. And uh, to the preachers who will be watching, in the Bible, every preacher worth their salt spoke to the defining issues of his day. Now, if you are not addressing these defining issues, if you're silent on church girls, you're silent on abortion, you're silent on LBGTQ+, plus, 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 plus. You're silent on this attack on our children. You're silent on drag queens going to public schools and reading little books and buy little books to children. You're silent on these issues. And I want to tell you something. Whatever you're saying, you're silent. Because you've missed, you've, you're missing it. And we're going to all have to give an account to the God of the Bible on the day of judgment. And, and let's see you explain to him uh, why uh, you chose to not speak up. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 1 says, cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet in Zion and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob, their sins. So I, I don't know um, uh, what many are thinking about, but this is the best time, in my opinion, for the preacher. Mm. For the preacher. It's, 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 society is ripe for the gospel preacher. Man, let your voice be heard. Lady, let your voice be heard. Don't be just another um brown speck on a brown mm. wall Let's mm. speak up and god will use you that's so good you know um we talked a lot about boldness and speaking up and not just you know fading into the background but i like how you put it when we first started is that you know it, yes, it comes out as a bonus, but it's really because of the fear, reverence, and awe for Jesus mm -hmm. that yes, that you have, and that should also be what spurs us. It's our our fear, our reverence for our very holy God, and in Amen. following Him, we do what we do, we say what we say, we live as we live because we know who we serve. We are Hallelujah. we are living in accordance with His purpose for our lives, but um, in obedience to his word. And if I'm living in obedience to his word, then I'm going to, if I were a pastor, protect my flock. I am Amen. going to, to shield them and let them know, look over here is a wolf. So y'all need to stay off the South side. Come on over here because the, the wolves aren't <laughs> over here. We got sheep over here. We have shepherds over here. But when you leave out of this gate, you're out of jurisdiction. You're you're over here in a, in, a, in, a, in a place where That's we good. don't we don't go. But man, it does take it takes a fear um, because as the word says, like teachers, the leaders, they're held to a different 
level or different standard of accountability and responsibility for the people that that God has given you to watch over. And so mm. how dare you allow your sheep to just slide out through the back door without any warning, without Amen. being told, Amen. like, look, Amen. you can go if you want to. Like, I, I'm not no. locking the door. But what I mm-hmm. will say is that outside of this door, death awaits. Amen. Outside of this door, there ain't nothing Christ-like over here. Mm, but mm, too, too often we just see, well, you know, they they can, they going to go if they want to go. Or we allow people to live in this delusion or this lie that there is a, a, um, a roundabout kind of door, like a circular door. Like I can go out mm-hmm. in the club and then I can come back in and I can go mm-hmm. out and then I can come back right, in. And right. that's not holiness and sanctification. No, it's not. No, it's so not. yeah, I, I just I appreciate the 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 fact that it's the it's the fear because of who you serve. It's the yes. fear because of the the office that you hold. And having yes. the office that you hold, the person that you you know work for, quote unquote, that that's serious. That's serious business. Amen. And it's not, nothing to be held lightly. Um, and so because of that fear, then you do participate a certain way. And that may just look like crazy boldness. Right, um, right. But it's what's needed in this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh, yep. Kevin, well, I know you're probably about to say nah, something. I, nah, I'm done. Nah, Monique, 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 you preached. <laughs> That's good. And Kevin, I'm, Kevin, she's got it. <laughs> she does. She does. <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking you about what, what, came to my mind, <laughs> what came to my mind is the church has bought into the lie that we're not supposed to judge. Oh, ooh, I can talk about oh. that all day long. Oh, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Ooh, you better yeah. go ahead. When, yeah. when it, I think it's written in John, it says judge rightly. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. G- Jesus didn't say judge not, period. Mm-hmm. It's judge not, comma. Yeah. <laughs> Lest ye be judged, for the same measure you be shall be measured unto you again. Um, our fear of being accused of uh, of being judgmental has robbed the church of its ability to make judgments. Mm-hmm. See, Jesus warned that in the last days um, that false prophets would arise and would deceive many. Now, when you lose the ability to judge, which is to discern, to discern between good and bad, right and wrong, now you're sitting duck for any uh, uh, wicked doctrine, any um, evil, because you have come to the conclusion that you do not judge anything. Now, do you not know to make that statement or to come to that conclusion, you have just judged. You have judged that nothing is worthy of judgment. Well, that's a judgment and that's the wrong judgment. The Bible teaches us to make judgments. Now, if a man robs a bank and he runs up to me and say, hey, wouldn't I just rob this bank? I've got the money in my hands, man. And I say to him, brother, you're a bank robber. He can't then turn around and say, don't you judge me. I mean, <laughs> man, you robbed a bank. I, 
I, I, the, the judgment that is wrong is to come to a conclusion about a person without knowing any facts. But if there's a man who's pretending to be a, a woman or if there's a man and he's in a sexual relationship with a man and you tell that man that he's wrong, you have not judged improperly. You have told that man the truth. And uh, and see, the Bible teaches that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And the church has gotten out of the correction business. So I want to say to believers, yes, it is wrong for me to look at that white guy and assume that because he's white, he hates me or to look at this black guy and, and assume that just because he's black, He's a thug or he's going to harm me. That's wrong. But if I look at a guy, he's white. He's got on his uh, clan paraphernalia. And uh, he got, he's got on the rebels and all this. Then it makes sense to me to assume, hey, this brother, this, this guy may mean me no good. So at least let me watch him. Because the, the things that he's displaying says to me that he doesn't necessarily love or like my kind. See, you got to be able to look at a situation and rightly judge it, rightly discern it. One of the things that's killing biblical uh, Christianity is that we have a Christianity now where everything goes. Nothing is wrong. Uh, like you said, you can go to the club, you can you can be a part of this group, that group, you can participate in this behavior, that behavior, and there is nothing wrong with it. And the world is looking at the church saying, well, if you're living like I'm living and you're going to the places I'm going to and you're doing what I'm doing, we're meeting at the same crack house, we're meeting at the same club, we're meeting at, we're meeting at the same this and that, then why should I join you? You're like me. I'm like you. So, hey, we're even. But when we let people see the difference, it makes all the difference in the world. So I think we should continue to make judgments. And if the Bible says a thing is wrong, it's wrong. No debate, nothing. It's just wrong. The Bible says it's right. It's right. Now, to me, that makes sense. Does it, that, that make sense? It, it, it's pretty clear to me. And for... Yeah. Centuries, it was clear to the church, but we we lost that somehow. Yeah. But um, but yeah, we definitely have to get back to making right judgments and being okay with that. And that, I think that is really the downfall of the churches by not making judgments. We've allowed people to go the way of the culture, and yes, no and no one can say anything because mm -hmm. we don't judge. Uh, yeah, we don't I, judge. I, I think you know. I feel like. I don't know that it's about the idea of not judging. I feel like that is more of an excuse. I wonder if it's about not wanting to judge people as wicked, evil, you know, wrong, whatever, so that we don't, we don't have to deal with in turn their judgment of us. Does that make sense? Like no. if, if, if I if I had a church and I wanted everybody to like my church, 
I might stay away from certain things because I don't want to be judged as the the mean person or like the mean pastor or um you know the the, the desire the to be liked by the world. Yeah, so I feel like I feel like this 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 conversation about judging. I don't know. It's just kind of was coming to me, make, making me wonder. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's not about you know, I don't want to judge nobody. It's that we really don't want to be concrete in the what the word says and standing truly on the word because we realize that there's a possibility that people will turn away, that we'll be canceled, that, um, you know, people are going to hate on us and, you yeah. know, all everything that everything that we've already gone through, Kevin, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, money, Monique. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Gary. No, I'll just say Bishop said it earlier. He said the gospel, it brings friction. And there yeah. are people who want to avoid that friction. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, go, go ahead, Bishop. What were you going to say? And now, now, Monique, you, you, you're hitting, both of you are hitting the nail on the head. I would say to that, that too. Because the Bible says that, that they would heap to themselves that the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. but they would heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That is, they will find preachers who will tell them what they want to hear. Now, it doesn't take much uh, thought to thinking to figure out if there are people who are looking for preachers who will tell them what they want to hear. There are preachers who will tell them what they want to hear. So the preacher becomes an expert at telling people what they want to hear so people will like him, so he can pack in 50,000 every Sunday and then say, the Lord haven't told me to preach about things that divide us, but I'm called to be an encouragement. Well, uh, that's not a calling. The, the ministry encouragement is part of the calling. We're to rebuke, correct, you know, all these things uh, uh, when it comes down to preaching, preaching the gospel, to instruct in righteousness. So, yes, there are many who will not crowd against sin because they want to be like. But I say, Monique, and I say to the those who are watching this, that preacher, my friends, loves himself more than he loves you. He loves himself. He loves his money. He loves having you attend. He loves drawing a crowd more than your eternal destination. And to keep you there, he will say all the things that you want to hear, but he may very well cause you to die and be lost. Now, your blood will be on his hands, but that won't help you as you're being burned in the flame. You see, there are preachers who only care about making money and they have gotten out of the correction business. These guys are experts at telling people what they want to hear, manipulating their minds, making them feel good. You're going to get your stuff back. And God told me to tell you this and that. And it's all encouraging stuff. And it appeals to the basic nature of us all because all of us want to be blessed, to be happy and for things to go our way. So these charlatans key on this stuff. And they tell people this and they, they, they shout them every Sunday. They bring no correction and people are just pouring into hell. 
and they they like this guy because he's he's the good guy in town. But let me say this to the preacher. The Bible says, woe be unto the prophet that all men speak well of. I would rather be the church in town that incurs criticism and wrath from those who do not want to serve God than to incur praise and adoration from those who do not want to serve the Lord. Amen. 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 And, Amen. And, and I yeah. think that's a good place to land this because yep. that was a good word. That was a good word. Um, Bishop, I appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate yes. you coming on and spending this time with us. We know you are a busy man and uh, we, uh, we thank you for taking the time out to just speak with us. Yes. Thank you so this much. Has been an honor. This has been an honor for me. You have no idea. Thank you. And you will hear from me. With my little oh, yes. name. All yes, right. Please. We'll be looking forward to it. <laughs> Thank you so much. You have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you.